other day, my wife and I were filling out preschool applications for our 19-month-old son. Now, for those of you who aren't parents in New York City, just know that this is not a simple process. There are open houses to attend, essays to write, interviews for you as parents, observations of your child playing with other kids. It's kind of like a college application, but for kids who aren't even two. You're asked to describe your child, reflect on your hopes and dreams for them, what kind of personality they have, and share about yourself, what you do, and why you should be part of their community. Mostly it is not your child that they are evaluating, it is the parents. Do they like you? Are you the right fit? What value will you bring to the community? It is kind of stressful. In one of the applications, a, a specific question gave my wife and I pause. It was this, how are you involved in the community? Now, I think this was a question about volunteering, about how we give back. If we volunteered at the local animal shelter, we would have definitely put that down. Or fed hungry people at a food pantry, like our friends at the West Side Campaign Against Hunger. But I will admit, somewhat sheepishly, we don't really do that. Now, I know we had an easy out. I could talk about all the work we do here at Fourth Universalist, cleverly using the ambiguity of the question to expand the answer beyond volunteering. I could talk about how I work with migrants. I participate and speak at neighborhood vigils. I'm out there doing stuff. I assist preservation groups in the Upper West Side, keep our historic fabric in place. But I know that that is not really volunteering. I'm working. I'm representing all of you, which is part of what your charge to me is. Now, the reason why we don't really volunteer is simple. We are really busy. My wife works full-time and goes to school part-time. We have a small child who is quite demanding and ridiculously rambunctious. And I know that many of us here are in the same boat, or at least a similar boat that feels similarly busy. And so when we ask folks to volunteer here at Fourth Universalist, we hear very similar responses. Folks sometimes tell us, Literally, they do not have the time. Parents are juggling a million different kid activities as well as their own careers. Working people are struggling under the expectations of jobs, and many are balancing many jobs and school and just trying to stay afloat. New York City, of course, attracts also a certain kind of person, that ambitious, work-oriented person who values achievement and attainment. It attracts people who travel a lot or who aren't from here, and so they travel other places. 
Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things, but it by necessity limits the time you have for other things, like volunteering. And there are the structural realities that undermine service work. Looking specifically at our congregation here, most Unitarian Universalist congregations essentially run on the labor of retired people who aren't working, who donate their time and their energy and are essentially unpaid staff. To, I think, our credit, our congregation is remarkably multi-generational, and we have lots of working people, but that means that we have a lot less people who are essentially able to do all the things that we don't want to pay people to do. Beyond us here specifically, we know that our city is a place full of transplants and immigrants, where people move in and out, knowing that they will not put down permanent deep roots. People do not typically invest too deeply in temporary homes. And of course, the homes we do pay for, whether temporary and permanent, are often way too much for us to afford. We as a city are rent and mortgage poor. We live in a country with minimum worker protections, no publicly funded daycare, and a shrinking safety net. Many of us feel like we have nothing left to give because our lives are so precarious otherwise. We have to take care of ourselves. We can't even think about giving more. Setting aside this question of volunteering, let's just acknowledge for a moment how crummy it feels to feel so stretched and busy, how exhausting it feels, how unfortunate it is that our larger structural realities keep us so harried, keep us feeling so often on the edge. It is not pleasant. I would invite all of us, whether we're thinking about the structural issues or our own personal lives, to think about this feeling of harriedness, of busyness, as something that, of course, keeps people from volunteering, but as something that is a warning to us, as something being wrong. To be so busy and so harried means that we are likely very stressed, that we are juggling unreasonable expectations that we put on ourselves or others put on us. It means that we're likely denying ourselves what we need for our own wholeness, putting off what we ourselves have to have for our happiness, hoping that sometime in the future we will have time or the energy or the kind of lifestyle that we'll get. It probably means we're not allowing the time for ourselves, the space that is free and are structured. Kids who are young, they have free play. Adults who are busy don't have free play, don't have free time. And yet, we need that time to really be true to ourselves, to sit back and wonder and be our true selves. It keeps us hurting. It keeps our hearts and our souls out of alignment with that life that we truly want and deserve. I would hazard that this is a spiritual crisis. To be so overwhelmed by life is to live without freedom. It is to live by the dictates of others rather than yourself. 
It is to live for the promise of a better tomorrow while sacrificing what should be a happy present. For some, it is to subdue one's wholeness and generosity of heart, replacing them with false deities of achievement and ambition, which promise fulfillment but leave us unfulfilled in the end. For others, it is to be a victim of a capitalist system which measures us and our lives by our usefulness and cares nothing about building structures that make people's lives better beyond their ability to make money. It becomes a form of slavery where we are forced to suffer to survive with no alternative except poverty or personal failure. We need to challenge both ourselves and our society to believe that extreme busyness, whether chosen through ambition or mandated by survival, is ultimately morally and spiritually wrong. It undermines our humanity, our happiness, our freedom, and our ability to connect with each other in ways that are not based on merit. I mourn that so many of us, including myself to some ways, are trapped in this place. It's tragic to feel like you have no other choice but to produce and to imagine that life could be so much better without it. Now, I don't have an overarching solution to this because each one of us has a different situation. But I want you all to leave here thinking about and knowing that you deserve a life where your back isn't against the wall, where you get to breathe every once in a while, where your life feels a little bit more like you feel like if you have vacation, you're not just looking forward to that freedom, space, where you can give yourself to yourself. My hope is that this is where volunteering can come in, at least here at Fourth Universalist. When someone is asked to volunteer here, whether it's to greet, help with coffee hour, teach our children, I often feel the knee-jerk reaction is to feel like we are asking a favor of you. And that favor is, is a favor because we're asking you to add another stress, another burden, another thing to your long list of tasks that feel like they weigh us all down another way to be busy. And certainly there are times when volunteering can feel like this. And there are times when it has to. But in an ideal world, volunteering, especially here, should not be exhausting. It should be energizing. It should be life-affirming. Volunteering is often trained by organizations and congregations as a moral obligation a giving of oneself, and a virtuous act of selflessness. In some Christian churches, you will hear them say things like, if Jesus could sacrifice his life for you, surely you could make a cup of coffee on Sunday for your friends. Now, there's a version of this sermon that I could have given that was basically that. We owe it to each other. Get our act together. There are worse things than greeting or teaching kids on Sunday. 
What I want to, to suggest instead is that volunteering is not just about service to others or giving yourself away. It is not about sacrificing yourself on the altar of this community. It is about service to yourself and to what you love. You should volunteer for you, for what you love. All the studies in the world show that volunteering makes you happier. People who volunteer experience less depression, less anxiety, and greater levels of life satisfaction. All the studies also say that being involved in a religious community makes you happier. You combine the two, you could have a lot of happiness. Could be yours. <laughs> when talking with a very active volunteer this past week, he described to me the feeling he got from volunteering here, that it just made him feel better afterwards, that he left with the feeling that his life was enriched. You might even say that volunteering here could be selfish in a good way, like a form of self-care, like going to therapy or going to the gym or going through a walk in the woods. It can be stress-reducing, happiness in waiting, even an act of political resistance against oppressive expectations of usefulness and productivity, a countercultural spiritual practice that honors the simple, humble, honest work of human connection and service. When talking with folks about this worship service that we are in right now, I was clear that I didn't want this to be a finger-wagging type service. Volunteer more. We need you. This is not a faith built on guilt or on shame. Just because Jesus was a martyr does not mean we need to be martyrs. He died after all, and I don't want that to be the case for any of you. And again, I know we all have different capacities for volunteering. Some of us may literally have no time to offer, and that is okay. We all have different seasons of our lives. But we should talk about that we need you together. This is a community that's not run like a business. It's not, I am not the CEO. This is a community that holds each other. It's a community that needs each and every one of us to be vibrant and sustainable. It's a community where a small group of volunteers tends to do much of the work. They seem equally as busy as those who don't volunteer. And at times, those volunteering do seem to be proportionally women, folks of color, while people of greater privilege seem sometimes to expect that things just are provided for them. What our equally busy volunteers seem to recognize, that perhaps others do not, is that from volunteering does not come more burden, but comes happiness and joy and friendship. It is part of their faith, part of what Unitarian Universalism is about, part of what community and life is. So if you are looking for those things, if you feel that weight of the world, if you feel trapped by life's expectations of you, if you are feeling that 
there isn't enough time in the day for everyone, consider us and this place as your ally, your co-conspirator in combating that toxic force that limits the kind of life you want, the kind of wholeness that you yearn for. Maybe you only feel on weekends or on vacation. Let this be a place that says you deserve to feel that in the in-between times, in the normal times, in the day-to-day. And we think that this community here with us can help you feel that freedom, that happiness, and that joy. Join us in a different kind of way of being, where you don't have to be perfect to be part of something meaningful. We're not about checklists here. Where you can make a real difference in the lives of people by just standing there and saying hi, by talking to kids, by making coffee or bringing cookies. Be part of building something special so you can really live your values here and now, not in some future time when you will be more able. Let this be a place of rebellion, not just for our sake, but for yours too. You have only one life. It should not be consumed by busyness, by hopes of a better future. This can be your future now. And you can feel embedded in a place. You can feel happiness and joy here. Together, working together, volunteering together, serving together, we may still find ourselves busy. But at the very least, we will be happier together, too. May it be so, and amen. Welcome, everyone. It's great to see you. I'm here with our Director of Religious Education, Ember Kelly, and we are delighted to talk to you about this week's sermon. Thanks for being here. Reverend Schuyler, thanks for taking the leads on the introduction there after I realized that it's been almost a whole month since we've done one of these, and it escaped my brain the second we logged on, but it's wonderful for a chance for us to get to sit down again. I've missed it. It feels odd, um, but I'm glad to be back with COVID and with other speakers. It's been uh, a strange few months. Yes. month, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, Deb, our assistant director of religious education, and I were talking about how, you know, the last time we saw each other was the 16th, and the 16th was the sanctuary service, and so that was even a unique Sunday. It's been it's been a month of of unique Sundays, and so it is. It's nice for a normal Sunday. Um, it is. It is very normal. Yeah, it's very. It feels like yeah, the return to the. And next week we'll have a pretty normal one too. But then the holidays hit. We've got multi-gen. We have a, maybe a Hanukkah service. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be something. It so. The fun. It is. It is crunch season when you're at a church. Uh, <laughs> but um, and I really enjoyed getting to uh, check out today's message and to. Uh, think about, you know, kind of the spirit of volunteering and how we engage in our community. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really wonderful message. I kind of wonder where the inspiration came from. How did this end up being our topic for today? Yeah, it's a great question and an important one. So the the eight principal task force, which has been tasked by our board of trustees uh, to essentially investigate and reflect on uh, the various systems of power and uh, uh, systems of, of oppression and, and privilege and all these other things within the congregation, Eighth Principal Task Force has been looking around and noticing, I think, a little bit that there are certain volunteers who seem to do everything, uh, that uh, uh, 
that oftentimes these volunteers maybe are, are, are less privileged than those who are happy to coast along on sort of the work of others. So um, that's not entirely true, of course, but it, there's there, that observation has been made. Um, and I think there have definitely been times and instances where that has been uh, painfully true. So, um, so they wanted, they asked if we could have a service about volunteering and about what it meant to, what it means to volunteer, the purpose of volunteering, how we as a congregation honor volunteers. And, and I think I'm, from a spiritual level, understand the, the value of it. So, um, so they asked me to speak on it. There is a, there was a volunteer fair after, after service and, uh, and an opportunity for people to, to investigate that for themselves. So, so I tried to take a really balanced, nuanced approach. I did not, as I say in the sermon, I did not want to have it be a, uh, a guilt, guilting sermon. I didn't want to be a finger wagging sermon where, you know, you all start the volunteer, otherwise you're all bad. I, I do think that there, is, there are real spiritual reasons why people don't feel capable of volunteering. Um, even if they may be literally possible, capable of doing it. So I tried to be, I tried to be respectful of that while also, I think, redefining what volunteering is supposed to be uh, or can be at the very least, which is, um, you know, you really get something from giving back to your community, right? It's not just like, you're not just sacrificing yourself on the altar of volunteering or your congregation or whatever else you're doing it, right? It's not a self-sacrifice it's it's self self service in many ways right when i feel like uh, i'm trying to make a my seminary brain is 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 going here and i'm thinking about how that you you mentioned self sacrifice and it makes me think of kind of a a, a difference between approaching volunteering from a uu perspective as to maybe one that's a bit more like evangelical traditional christian where it's like you know jesus gave his whole life, you can't give an hour on Sunday, like is kind of like <laughs> the, the typical stewardship sermon in a, in a more evangelical context, like, why can't you give your time if Jesus can? <laughs> and um, for, for the UU world, though, and for like, kind of the UU world that's coming, that's being, being birthed right now, like this move towards very community um, centered like the principles that guide us towards community with each other that you know it's uh, volunteering is about how how am I part of this community what does it mean to be in community what does it mean for us to exist as a community like what you know what what is community and community is complicated and messy and not always perfect you know as you mentioned with you know that perhaps some of these criticisms at times may or may not have been um, you know, fair, but community is messy. It's not going to always be perfect, but how can we move towards having uh, a, a balanced and um, a just community? And these are, these are all things for us to be considering. And I think seeing volunteering in this light of community instead of in the, um, the, the guilt light is, is a different light to view volunteering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that people need community to be happy, right? Like I talk about the statistics of that. Religious community increases human happiness. And it's not just like being a member of a congregation on paper means that. It means being deeply involved with it. It means being somehow involved in some meaningful way, um, which some, some, some people may mean coming every Sunday, and that is what they do. Some people may be volunteering significantly. But I think what's important is that, you know, that people give something of themselves. Um, or 
you know, that, that they volunteer so that it's not and volunteering in many different ways, right? But like, you can't expect to get something if you're not willing to give something. And, um, and the idea that like, that people are consumers of religious communities that you just kind of come in and take what you need and leave, it, it denies the reality of what religious communities are, which is that they, they're not, they're not, they're not businesses that that offer a service, right? Like it, it exists, they, they're literally communities. I mean, they're owned by the people who are members. So it's not like, it's not like I just, you know, I, as the senior minister run the church and I'm the CEO and, you know, all, I, I manage the shareholders and then get the profits that I then divide up upon myself and the rest of the staff, right? Like that's not the model that we're in. It's not, it's not a top-down decision-making process. It's not a top-down community. It is by definition, a collective experience. And so when you, when you move into a trans, uh, transactional approach, which, which I think has been a challenge at Fourth U and many other communities, particularly increasingly with the pandemic, it starts to undermine a lot of that, that foundational identity. Um, there has been talk, and we maybe have talked about Ember, about this move to a more temple church model where people come into the the congregation and the, the space as a temple and they kind of do the thing they need to do and then they leave. And the church kind of lives off of the offerings that people give. And there certainly is a historic model for that. But that isn't historically what we've been. And I think if that's the model we want to go to, we, we should be more in dialogue about what that looks like. Uh, right. Because it is it is much less empowering for people um, and lays a lot of power on the and essentially what used to be the priests of the temple, right? Um, who basically made all the decisions. And that's what they want, that's what the congregation wants, basically give all the decisions to the clergy and staff. That's one thing, but we have a participatory, participatory democracy as a as the congregation, that's our model. So we need people to be engaged. We need people to volunteer. Otherwise the system falls apart as it's currently constructed. Right, and uh, you know, that, that move, towards the consumer model. And I think naming the pandemic there is, is very true. Like when people were online, it was, hey, what what things can the church, uh, you know, what what thing can I attend? What um, um, volunteering look different in the, in the age of online church? And, um, you know, but honestly it even, um, not, not to be too theology nerd, but it, it makes me think of the reformation. Part of the challenge of the reformation was saying, you know, that church is becoming a business, that it is just merely buying your way to, to salvation um, and challenging that with what does it mean to be part, you know, that the Reformation moved us towards the sort of communities that we have uh, now where people have to be involved in those communities. It's not just a, a priest um, doing things at everybody, but it's something that we're all involved in. That's right. That's right. You're exactly right. I mean, that's the root of it. The Catholic Church before the Reformation was very much a temple church mentality, right? Like the priests, priests through the hierarchy of the church, basically, you know, they controlled the church. They had a they had a product they offered, right, which was salvation through through the worship, through communion, the Eucharist, right? That then people people consumed and they got from that, and so you know, you they supported the church in order to get that access, and they would come in and do that. Um, but Luther and other Protestants basically said, no, that's, that's the priest. Everyone is equal, right? Priest of all believers. And then our spiritual ancestors, Unitarians and Universalists, um, really grounded their faith in an anti-hierarchical 
congregationally based decision making process where um, where congregations they empowered their members to make decisions to choose their ministers set their budget they weren't bishops and that was a powerfully empowering model uh, and it was is part of what inspired american democracy um, and it was part of that movement right so many of these new england unitarians where the people who pushed John Adams, Paul Revere, pushed this idea of, hey, if in our churches, we can make decisions about what we believe and who our clergy are, maybe we can do that on a government level too. And that's powerful. And that moving to a more transactional model or a more temple church model or, or a we don't volunteer, we just come and get things model is, is to... Uh, reject, uh, shift away from that, that I think very powerful legacy. Um, and it's, you know, it's the pandemic, you said makes sense because when you're just on screens, right, you, there's not a whole lot of ways you can really participate. Like we're essentially running a show, a TV show on zoom. And that's, that's the nature of it. But the challenge is to come back from that and say, okay, now that we're back in person, we need religious education teachers. We need greeters in person, right? Um, we need coffee hour stuff. We need, uh, and not that we need it, but the community in order to thrive needs us all to work together. I think that that seems like a beautiful place to, to end us. Skylar, it's been great to get to sit down for the first time in a while. Yes, you too, Ember. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. I hope you volunteer. If you have questions, we're always here. Again, it's, you're not volunteering for us, right? You're volunteering for yourself and for the community and the gifts that we all collectively share together. So um uh, we want really want to move away from this model of Ember's asking you to teach who you're doing Ember a favor, right? That's not that's not the point of it. It's it's we all love it. It's there's something intrinsically valuable about the act of service that we that we embrace here as a community. Mm -hmm.